Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Excited about this today, excited about this word, excited about the series that we're in, and, and uh, y'all doing all right? I'm, I'm biting my tongue, looking over here, saying anything. <laughs> Go frogs. <laughs> That's so fun, Aiden. Okay, man. Um, well, you guys, I bet you didn't know this, but today is church planting Sunday. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> so, so here's the deal. I'm a part of a little leadership team of group here in Fort Worth, a bunch of different churches called Plant Fort Worth, with a goal to plant lots of churches all around the region, and they're starting to own more and more by us all hanging around and talking about the nations as well, but it's just a, it's a, it's a great group of guys, and I, they, they created a, a church planting Sunday, and I said, well, let's, we can do that and talk to you guys about church planting, because that's what we've always done. We've always uh, aspired to be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing christ manifesting church. And so multiplication is happening. We want to see at every level of the church as disciples, as life groups, the church itself multiplying. And we just say that living things multiply. And you may not realize this, but our spectrum used to be new believer and the end of it was church planter. So if you grew all the way up, <laughs> you were a church planter. And uh, over time, it took about 10 or 12 years, but we finally realized that's not the only end. That's seen through my lens. <laughs> uh, this is funny to some people, it's not to others. But, but <laughs> I, would say, I would say the spectrum much more is now new disciple to mature disciple. And you can do all kinds of callings besides, besides mine, okay. Um, but hey, here's the thing. If you're interested in church planting, we've got a path for you. That's, that's what we do. We've got a path. And there's all different kinds of ways of getting involved in church life. But the discipleship school would be a, a piece of that. Leading a life group. Multiplying a life group. Well, one of the things we found is if you can lead and multiply a life group, you're well on your way to being able to go somewhere and gather some people meet in a home, multiply that group, and you're on your way to church planting in a lot of ways. So that's just a big part of who we are. And uh, so lead and multiply life group, apply to our church planting school, apply to residency within the movement. And now we've got options even here in the city. So that's uh, church planting Sunday, October 23rd. Okay, if anybody watches that online. Okay, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're uh, continuing on in our series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount called Walking Inside the Story. We're talking about ethics and how to live. And last week, man, you guys were just shouting me down as I preached on non-retaliation and enemy love. Man, the amens were flying. It was awkward in the room. And uh, we're dealing with the words of Jesus. And we want to be kingdom, his kingdom people, right? So, Lord, help us. Help us to live this thing out. What we looked at last week is that Jesus is calling us to live in the kingdom family and grow up in maturity, to maturity in the Father's love. And I suppose you could just, that could be the thing every week, but I'm, I'll have another main thing today. But uh, one of the things that happened after talking about nonviolence last week is I was met 
Just outside the door there by one of our longtime missionaries, been in the Middle East for years and years, and uh, she had a testimony from somebody in Afghanistan, and uh, she goes, I wish I could have just told you to finish the sermon, so I'm throwing it at the beginning of this one here, but this guy, his, his testimony is that he was reading the Bible, and he saw that Jesus was nonviolent, that he didn't respond and react violently but and, and that made him want to become a follower of him, that instead he died for the sins of the world. And uh, he, he didn't commit, and because in Afghanistan, it's war since his whole life. It's, he's only known war. And then his wife read the, the New Testament. And it was also the nonviolence thing, but it was also that Jesus treated women equally. And, and again, in that, you know, that kind of uh, culture it was just it was so beautiful and they are now disciples of, of Jesus Christ uh, so praise the Lord also I'm realizing that I, I'm not saying this enough but, but Jim and Don are here this morning and I just want to keep pointing you to uh, the politics of Jesus that's the, so we do a, our sermon series and, and the politics of Jesus that podcast Jim's podcast they run along simultaneously so if you want to do a deeper dive on any of this you can go check out Jim's podcast. And I encourage you to do that. Like I spent a few minutes on Jesus authority last week and Jim spent an hour and 20 minutes on one podcast on Jesus authority. And, and I was like, man, this is so good. So good. So good. So encourage you about that. Here at the start, I'm also going to come back to these words I've been saying just at the beginning. The Lord gave me a few words in the start of this series. One is be a father. And so I'm, I'm going to try to be like a father. I'm getting old enough to be like a father. But part of the word, I think, is don't be exasperated. You know, when you're telling your kids something, they just like, ah, they fling their hands up in the air. I can't please you. And so let's don't be exasperated with the words of Jesus. Let's just keep turning, keep leaning in, even if it's strange, even if you go, I don't know this, this is practical. Let's keep turning to the Lord. The second word there is to be humble. Let's, can we agree to be humble and be learners? You know, we said it at the beginning of last week, turn to somebody, say, I don't have this all figured out. And so let's turn to somebody and say, I don't have this all figured out still. <laughs> I still don't have this figured out. But I'm committed. I'm committed to following him. And then the other piece is, you guys, and that just helps. That is, we just spoke deep truth in the room. Like deep, deep truth, you know, and the, every, it's, it's the truth. It's words of Jesus, but that is you guys confessing the truth. Um, we we want to learn and we want to be kingdom family people, grow up into the image of this life that's been placed within us. We want to grow up and mature uh, in, in the family. And even though it sounds strange, it's the way of Jesus and we are his disciples, we are followers of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord, declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true King and Lord of the world. Amen. You know, amen. That's the truth. And we live in the now of that, but also the not yet of that. And so it's, it's messy. You know, nobody does it perfectly. And we've got lots of different issues and things that are hard around because of our jobs and things. We've got police officers. Have to, how do we do that? You know, and there's a way through that. And military, and how do we do this stuff? How do we walk through this? What, Lord, lead us? You know, all of those things are just issues and stuff that we have to 
wrestle through living in the real world, right? But Lord, we want to follow you at the same time. This past Tuesday at the prayer meeting, uh, we were praying. The, actually, we were praying the Lord's Prayer. We took an hour and just prayed through the Lord's Prayer, and uh, it was great. But somebody stopped at one point and said, "Wow, it just hit me! Like the 2024 election is coming, and are is everybody going to just lose their minds again?" And the question, the the question he was asking was, "Do you think that this is a time of preparation for us in the Sermon on the Mount, so that if we?" flipped or did things weird, we'd at least be more aligned to Jesus and to the Sermon on the Mount this, time, this next time around. I was like, that is it. Like we are, we, I just emphatically, we are in a time of preparation right now to the way of Jesus. He's wanting to prepare us so that we're not just reacting to everything that's coming, you know, tit for tat and you shouted at me, I'm shouting louder you know, and just rah, but we're walking in the spirit with Jesus into the days ahead. And, you know, one of the questions I wrote down in my journal when that person was asking, then we all prayed into that and stuff, but I was like, what will cause us, me, what will cause you, what will cause us to walk away from the Sermon on the Mount? And I just thought, Lord, help us to get ready so that we're not just provoked on something and then chunk it, but we just keep Keep turning. And yes, there's going to be adjustments and repentance and realignment and we're flying and it's not just one thing and you got it all down because we're in process, right? So, amen. We're in a time of preparation. So this week, um, everybody good? So this week, uh, we're, we're honing in on our hearts. There's some, there's some heart work that the Lord is wanting to do here as we go into this passage in uh, in in. Matthew chapter 6, the thing is, uh, to mature in love, to grow up, it's going to be an inside-out job. But our temptation is, our, my temptation is to make things look better than they actually are in my heart. Anybody ever feel that way? So it's just, that, that's, a, that's a struggle, you know, just like I, I, I want to do it better, I, I want to I want the full maturity to have happened already, but it hasn't. And so we're going to be in this thing together. Uh, and the Lord is encouraging us. That's why we need life groups. <laughs> Just to go, I'm a mess. Somebody pray for me. You know, I mean, there's, there's variations on that theme. You know, we hit a different note occasionally. You know, bend it or we can slide up to the note or play a triad and get up there. But I'm a mess. Pray for me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm a mess. Pray for me. Oh, Lord. And that's what discipleship is about. And I can't, we can't say everything there is to say uh, about this passage today, but we're going to take a swing at some stuff. And I really feel like the Lord has us moving today. I'm going to touch on everything, but he has us moving toward forgiveness. So I'm going to go ahead and just say that out. I'm going to try to save some time for ministry here. And so just that's kind of the trajectory. Let's stand up to honor the reading of the word of God together, the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, bless the reading of your word. Matthew 6, 1 through 18. Be careful 
not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done and may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Let's pray the prayer together portion. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you sin, well, I'll just keep going. Y'all just want to get into it. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Y'all have a seat. Amen. So, main thing today, out of that, what we're focusing in on is that Jesus is calling us to practice righteousness from the heart, pray the kingdom prayer, and forgive others as we grow up in God's family. So let's look at these three things. As we mature in God's family, first of all, practice righteousness from the heart. So he's not saying don't practice righteousness. But he is saying, be careful how you practice righteousness. Do it, there's a right way of doing it from the heart. And so again, we've been using these vicious cycles from Glenn Stassen. And here's the next one. If you could go ahead and put that up. And the, the cycle is doing, uh, doing what we do, the, the righteousness stuff that we do for show, like hypocrites. He's saying, when you do this, when you do this, when you do this, and when you do this, don't just do it for show. Let it be, it's an inner, inner thing from the heart. And then the Father sees you. There's a greater reward. You can go ahead and give everybody's eyes a break. Um, there's a greater reward that's with the Father than just somebody seeing. So like that's the whole reward when it's done for show. It's just, that's it. There it is. You know, you did it. Somebody saw you. That's it. But the Father is bringing more into our lives when it's from the inside out. We do practice righteousness, and heart surgery is what we're talking about here. 
is that the Lord is working on our hearts because generosity, prayer, and fasting, those are not bad things. He's saying when you do them, you know, it, the, this is a reality. It's a part of our lives. And, and generosity, sharing what we have, living below our means, uh, living in a way financially so that we can share and be generous and tithe and give offerings and share with missionaries and the poor. All of these different things. That's a good thing. It's just we don't want to do it in a way that's about us blowing a trumpet and sounding, you know, at one level, it's, it's a little easier because we, so much giving is online now. Um, you know, but, it, uh, but just it's what's going on in our hearts is, is the way to say that. The second piece there is prayer. You know, when you pray, you know, so we, again, we want to be praying. That's, a, that's an active thing that we do together. Um, and we're called to be salt and light. So there, there's a way of us doing these things and living this out, being in prayer meetings together. I mean, Jesus said, pray together. When you come together, you bind things, you loose things, you change, you change eternity by the way you come together and pray. But don't just do it for show. Do it out of the right heart. And, and finally, fasting too. We just, like, this is one of the things that we do as a communal, a, a community discipline, but we're, we're not, it's not like, hey, look at me. We're trying to help each other grow up in God so that we can learn to say no to some things in order to say yes to things that really matter. And that's part of discipleship. That's part of growing up. So practice righteousness is what he's saying there from the heart. The warning is to be careful for pride. You know, to be careful for self-righteousness. To And man, you know, that's, it's just a, it, it, it's, it's easy for any of us to, to, do, to get into that mode. I'm weary, I'm tired, I'm just kind of doing it. It's not from my heart. The flip side of it, though, is that we don't participate. You know, that we just check out from the whole process altogether so we can do it self-righteously or we can just go, I'm not going to do that stuff at all. And both things are a loss for the body of Christ. Both, both, both pieces are needed. That's a hard heart, just like whatever hardness of heart in this other aspect needs to be, uh, you know, worked through. The reality is that we all stand here together in the grace of God. We, every single one of us, we stand in the grace of God. That's, that's how we're here. That's how we know life. That's how we know the Lord. The Holy Spirit has illuminated what Jesus Christ has done for the world. You know, and I, I, we can't take credit for that. We just, but we believe. And we say, yes, Lord. And we want to follow you. We want to walk with you. And that, that actually, that posture of grace receiving people is actually, it's actually attractive. I wrote a, read a great little article from uh, Shane Claiborne. It's actually older. But uh, it was, the article was called Jesus is for Losers. And, uh, and you can kind of get the flow of where he's going. It's not for like perfect people. And he tells the story of this. He had a, a, a youth pastor friend who was taking a bunch of youth in a van up to some mountaintop retreat. And, and uh, there's a flat tire. So the youth pastor gets out. He's working on it. But then the spare's flat. It starts raining. And the, it's not working. It's just, and, and finally... He, he, he cusses at the tire and kicks it and, and is the blessed thing, you know, saying some stuff to it. And, and then he somehow gets it going, gets in back in the van and says, nobody say anything. Everybody be quiet. 
just be quiet. And so they get on, they drive on up, have the retreat, the worship, the altar calls, people come to the Lord and everything. And this one guy who's from the ghetto just basically says, uh, you know, hey, man, I wanted to let you know that I gave my life to the Lord. They were coming back down the mountain. And the guy says, what was it, the worship or the, the altar call or, you know, what, what was it? He's like, no, man, I was, I was watching you out there cussing at the tire. And I thought, man, if this guy can do it, I'm going to be a Christian too. So the point, though, is we're broken. We're, we're broken. Any, and anybody, maybe, maybe getting mad at a tire is not your thing, but it's something else, right? And, uh, I mean, we've planted churches with ex-cons, We've planted churches with uh, one time with a, with a police officer and a felon, drug dealer. We're on the same leadership team. Go figure. Like Jesus and his grace is at work in that. And there's something about our vulnerability of that, that, that I, you think everybody's got it together, but everybody didn't have it together. And so we need the grace of God. Lord, help us to practice righteousness and justice and making things right from a place of dependency, you know, and not disengaging, but also from a place of dependency when we're doing it so that it's the Lord and his life that's, that's working out through us. The second piece here, as we mature in God's family, is to pray the kingdom prayer. And uh, go ahead and put the Stassen thing and another piece from Glenn Stassen. He just, he's with the Lord now. He's a famous uh, teacher on the Sermon on the Mount. That's why I'm using these things. And uh, if you want to get a really good book, Living the Sermon on the Mount would be Stassen. It's just a great resource. And his, his contention was that the, the, the kingdom prayer, the Jesus prayer, is the organizing center of the Sermon on the Mount. And so basically, you could pray that prayer and you're touching on all the different things from the beginning of the sermon, before the prayer, and then after the sermon, the things that we do, forgive us and what's going on with us, Lord, help us. And it gets worked out in the second part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I, I put that on there so that you would have it in your notes and you can study a little more and work through that, pray through that. Is that good? So here's, here's the deal with us. And again, give everybody a break on their eyes. Thanks. Um, the ser- the, this, this prayer has been huge in the development of this church. It's, been, it's an absolutely critical part of our story. So when we first started, 93, the January, um, you know, the, the, in that first year, in 94, a big revival happened up in Toronto. And so we had people that were like, hey, let's do that here. And, you know, I was like, Lord, you know, I just, I don't know, you know. And so, so we prayed and we got together and we said, what, what are we supposed to do here? And what we heard was, let's pray the kingdom prayer here. And so we started meeting at our house on Tuesday nights. And for seven years on Tuesday nights, for seven years in a row, we prayed the kingdom prayer. So, and it changed our lives. One, one of those years, we prayed for a salvation a week, every single week, and we saw somebody saved every single week for that whole year. And then, and then we started praying for five people to be saved at the start of the new year. Five people were saved every single week for about six weeks. And then it was like, you know, I don't know, we came out to our senses or I, maybe we were having more fruit than we could take care of. I don't know what the, that might have been it. But, 
But uh, the kingdom prayer, though, has been huge for us. So, and, and I got that idea from Evan Roberts, who the Welsh Revival, 1904, 1905, 100,000 people came to the Lord in Wales in a one-year period. And then suddenly, Evan Roberts steps out of the scene and is just gone. For seven years, he's gone. And he ends up living with a guy, uh, this, a woman and her husband named, she, she was a famous author named Jesse Penn Lewis. And um, so he comes out of seclusion after seven years. And they said, what have you been doing for these last seven years? And he says, oh, I've been up in that room praying the kingdom prayer. And that was kind of an inspiration for me. And, and it still is. We had another seven-year season where we prayed the kingdom prayer. And even as I'm saying, it's like conviction. Maybe we need to start another season of praying the kingdom prayer. And just even like last Tuesday, it's just, it's just great. You pray this. And our Father, it took us a long time last Tuesday to get off our Father, just that we can call God our Father, that we get in on the Son's relationship with the Father. My Father is now our Father. Be children of our Father in heaven. But we're not just, heaven's not just up there. We're praying that heaven comes down here. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy is your name. Exalted is your name. Give us today our daily bread. You know, as you work your way through that prayer, what you find is that you can't pray that prayer and it not affect the way you live. It's, I, can't, I can't pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are debtors and not be forgiving other people. It just keeps us on, a, on the right line uh, ethically as we pray that prayer. So it's, it's huge. Um, yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm moving on. I, I can say a lot more, but I'm moving on because we're heading, heading toward forgiveness, all of us, yep. right? So let's look at that third one. So as we mature in God's family, we practice righteousness from the heart, we pray the kingdom prayer, and we forgive others. And I'm going to read that 14 and 15 again as well. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So what I want to say here is a bit of the gospel that I'm preaching week after week after week is what God's done for us. And so he's not conditionally offering forgiveness to anyone based on what you do. He's offering forgiveness to the world. He made himself one of us. He united himself with our broken humanity so that he could deal with it, so that he could bring it to it, you know, offer it sanctified to God, but then take it to the cross and be buried and raised a new creation. The, the, the last Adam's effect is so much greater than the first Adam's. I mean, if, you know, if we all went into sin because of the first Adam, what's going to happen because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came unto this earth and died for our sins? Oh my, wow, wow, that's like super good news, right? And so the whole economy of God is to forgive. The, the, the adoption into the family is to, so that we can know his love and forgiveness and life. And so this, this statement is just how absolutely crazy it would be 
for us then to be unforgiving when God, the Father of us all, has forgiven us through Jesus Christ, and now we're going to step back onto the throne and parcel out our forgiveness? So in our, in our life group this past week, um, sorry, I had, I had one cup of coffee, I'm good. Um, but in our life, we talked about loving enemies, you know, last week in the message. And so loving enemies ended up leading us to talking about forgiveness, right? Can you imagine? See the connection? Yeah, right. So, so you know, loving enemies, forgiveness, how much hinges on our forgiveness of other people? You know, everything kind of unravels at this point, if we can't do this, and I, I'm not even, I, I'm, I, I want to be tender like a father and, and know that, man, it's hard. We've all got different situations we've been through. Some of us, terrible, horrible stories, but God is inviting us to forgive as he's forgiven and even work through the, the hard stuff of like, well, I feel bad sometimes because I can't forgive, but God is still wooing us in this direction. He's, he's, he's leading us this way. And so somebody passed out the Ravensbrook prayer. And I think we were all just kind of blown away. And it, this Ravensbrook prayer, it's from the Ravensbrook concentration camp the, of the Nazis. And it was written on a piece of paper, a wrapping paper found near the body of a dead child at Ravensbrook where 92,000 women and children died in the Holocaust. And here's the prayer. O oh Lord, remember not only the men and women of good will, but also those of evil will. But do not remember all the suffering that they have inflicted on us. Remember the fruits we have borne thanks to this suffering. Our comradeship, our loyalty, our humility, our courage, our generosity, and the greatness of heart which has grown out of all this. And when they come to judgment, let all the fruits that we have borne be their forgiveness. Amen. So, you know, I think it all hit us. You know, I'm trying to be sensitive to that even right now. And, and, but one of the things that made me do was to Ravensbrook. I know that name, Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was there. And Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy. So I, some will know this story, others won't. It will encourage you if you know it already. But I'm just going to kind of work through a little bit of Corey's story. But she was put in Ravensbrook as a prisoner of war because she and her family were helping Jews to escape the Nazis and hiding them in her house. And so they were put there. And Betsy died there. They shriveled up. I mean, no food, all, this, all the terrible, horrible things that happened. But Corey made it out. You know, she was liberated. And so she immediately after the war starts hosting Jewish uh, women in particular in her home and helping them to find uh, freedom and life after the, the Nazi, the, the horrible things that happened. And so um, 
one of the things she did was she's a great communicator and she was in uh, Munich, Germany in 1947. So just two years after the war, she's already back in Germany and she's sharing with the German people that God forgives sins through Jesus Christ and he puts them as far at the deepest part of the, they're under the sea, they're gone gone, gone, gone. And so she said she finished the message there in Munich and people did like what they always did in Germany. They just turned and silently walked out. But one person was walking against that crowd and comes up, guy in a gray coat, balding guy, older. And as he kept taking steps toward her, he transformed and she saw that he was a guard at Ravensbrück the whole blue uniform, the skull and crossbones on the hat and all of that and transformed right before her eyes. And she knew that she knew that she knew it was him. And he walked up to her and he said, Fraulein, that was a wonderful message. And it's good to hear that there is forgiveness. I've recently become a Christian and Fraulein, would you forgive me and pronounce forgiveness over me? And so, you know, time slowed down. Corey said time just slowed down. You know, she... She's, she's thinking about Betsy, you know, her sister, watching her die. She's thinking, can it just be forgiven like this in a moment with a word? Is that, is that how this happens? And, and, and yet she knew the words of Jesus to forgive as we've been forgiven. And she'd already seen, even in her home, what, what was happening to, to women who would forgive, they would find life. And those who would not forgive remained invalid and unable to move forward. And so, you know, it, it, I mean, you can just imagine time slowing as he's offering out his hand. He puts it down, but then puts it out again. Fraulein, will you forgive me? And she realized that he didn't know her, that he was, he was, he was that guard, but that he did not know who she was. And this was, you know, a, again, a moment of reflection. But she said, Lord Jesus, Help me in this moment right now to forgive. And she said it was like her arm was wooden. She said, surely I can raise my arm up. And she raised her arm up to meet his. And in that moment when she touched him, she said it was like electricity flowed from her arm and connected them. And she said it was the greatest experience of love, the love of God that I've ever had in my entire life. Now, she goes on to say, you know, I'm 80 years old. She, this was in 72, this article that I read. She said, I'm, I'm 80, and what I've figured out is there are still, you'd think that I've forgiven this guard, that's, anything else would be child's play, but it, it wasn't. There were other situations that strained and stressed her. And one situation in particular um, had happened about 15 years before, so I'm thinking like late 50s or something. But uh, this couple had done something, a young couple had done something to offend her, and it hurt her deeply. And they were corresponding about it, and she finally just said, Lord, I forgive them, and experienced joy in the moment. But then she started waking up in the middle of the night and just rehearsing what had happened and how hurtful it was, what they had done to her. And she, then there was a, that, that was a night that turned into two nights. Two nights turned into two weeks of wrestling and going over this stuff and rehearsing it. And she went to a Lutheran pastor friend of hers and she said, I need help. 
on this. I need, I need input. I need help. And she said, the guy said, Corey, it's like the ringing of the church bell. When the sexton is up there ringing the church bell and it's dong, dong, dong. And even after, after, he, after he lets go of the rope, the bell still continues chiming for a bit. Dong, dong, dong. And, and he said, that's the way it is with forgiveness. You can let go of the rope, but it's still like there's a process there where it, it, you finally get free. And, and uh, that really connected with her. And she rejoiced about that. In fact, she would tell that story, you know, again and again about being set free. And I want to just read the, the end of this little article here from that point on. I just thought it was interesting. You know, she's saying as an 80-year-old, I still, you can know the lessons about forgiveness, but you still have to receive fresh from God what you need in the moment to deal with what's happening in life. Does that make sense? So she goes on and she says, and still he had to teach me even in this single episode that I've just described because many years later in 1970, an American with whom I had shared the ding-dong principle <laughs> came to visit me in Holland and met the people involved. Aren't those the friends who let you down? He asked as they left my apartment. Yes, I said a little smugly. You can see it's all forgiven. By you, yes, he said. But what about them? Have they accepted your forgiveness? They say there's nothing to forgive. They deny it ever happened. But I can prove it, and I went eagerly to my desk. I have it in black and white. I saved all their letters, and I can show you where. Corey, my friend, slipped his arm through mine and gently closed the drawer. Aren't you the one whose sins are at the bottom of the sea? And are the sins of your friends etched here in black and white? For an anguishing moment, I could not find my voice. Lord Jesus, I whispered at last, who takes all my sins away. Forgive me for preserving all these years the evidence against others. Give me the grace to burn all the black and whites as a sweet-smelling sacrifice to your glory. I did not go to sleep that night until I had gone through my desk and pulled out those letters curling now with age and fed them into my little coal burning grate. And as the flames leaped and glowed, so did my heart. Forgive us our trespasses, Jesus taught us to pray, as we forgive those who trespass against us. In the ashes of those letters, I was seeing yet another facet of his mercy. What would he teach me about forgiveness in the days ahead? I didn't know. But tonight's was good news enough. And what we bring, when we bring our sins to Jesus, he not only forgives them, but he makes them as if they'd never been. Wow. Yeah, so Lord, uh, would you help us here in all the things that we're talking about, Lord, to, to make... Make a way, Lord, in our hearts for all that you're wanting to do in the days ahead. Prepare us. So if you would, stand up. I really do want to, we've got some time here. I, wanna, I want us to just spend time praying, ministering to each other at the front. You know, all of the things that we're talking about are going to uh, shape our lives. Let's go ahead and get the prayer team to come as well. The, these things are going to shape our lives. And I think the Lord has just given us a fresh, 
it's, a, it's a time of preparation. It's a fresh opportunity to press into the Lord, to receive forgiveness, to give forgiveness so that we can love those that are hard for us to love. You know, forgiveness or unforgiveness shapes us. Unforgiveness turns us in on ourselves. And we miss out on so much of the joy and experience of other people that God wants to, like forgiveness brings us out into relationship with others. It makes us whole and healthy. Whereas unforgiveness hinders freedom, hinders relationships, just causes us to judge left and right. And so, Lord, would you just bring the breakthrough today, whatever it is that's needed in our hearts. And it could be any of these things, you know, the way, just practicing righteousness with the right heart, praying the kingdom prayer, just a commitment to, Lord, we're stepping into this. But I, I do just have a sense where there is unforgiveness or there is something that needs to be let go of, man, where we've been holding on to this thing and wringing it, Today's the day. Let it go. And it doesn't minimize what happened to us. It doesn't main, mean that it wasn't a problem, but God is calling us to forgive. He's calling us to walk in forgiveness as we have been forgiven. Yeah. Not that, yeah. So you, you got it. Father, lead us here as we respond today. Whatever, whatever the need is, Lord, I pray, Lord, even if it's for healing or something, just everybody that needs prayer today uh, that would get it. Yeah, just, Lord, you, you guys, I see this being a thin place. I really do. Right now, he's wanting to let the kingdom come. Father, let your kingdom come as we respond in the name of Jesus. Bring healing. Bring healing. Bring hope. Whatever you need is, come. You guys, and front fills up, then just pray with people that you came with. Yeah, Father, let every single person here get what's needed to bring breakthrough today. In Jesus' name.